0: Pastor Xavier Reese reveals the divisive attempts of the enemy today on Simple Truths. The blatant vindictiveness of Pharaoh
1: was to crush the hope of the people. And that's always the case. It's never changed. Pharaoh wanted to embitter the Hebrews against Moses and Aaron, you see, to divide the people from the leaders God had sent. That's always the way sinful man works in Satan. A house divided cannot stand, right?
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Fight fire with fire. Desperate times call for desperate measures. However you describe them, difficult situations require us to take actions that would be considered extreme if taken in other situations. And so, when faced with the blatant vindictiveness in Pharaoh toward the captive Israelites, God called on the somewhat apprehensive Moses to deliver a rather bold command to free his people. Continuing our Simple truth series in the book of Exodus, Pastor Xavier begins in chapter 5, delivering a study simply titled, Let My People Go.
1: Moses, having been called and commissioned by Yahweh, went to Egypt with his brother Aaron to deliver the children of Israel from their bondage. At the end of chapter 4, verse 29, they gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. In 30, Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs inside of the people. And verse 31 gives us the results. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. All of this was in direct obedience to the instructions Yahweh gave to Moses at Mount Horeb in chapter 3, verse 16 and 18. What an encouragement to the children of Israel as well as Moses and Aaron, but it would be short-lived because Pharaoh would not be so excited to hear about the news of Yahweh coming to visit his people, let alone to obey the command of releasing them from Egypt. What we want to do is look at The first time Moses and Aaron confronts Pharaoh, which is in this section, to let the children of Israel go to worship God in the wilderness. It unfolds for us in three movements. Let me read our text. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to the and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. And so they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence and with the sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, Why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. The Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce them, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice our God. Let more work be laid on the men that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words." And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and they spoke to the people saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get yourselves straw where you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. And so the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt and gathered stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota as well as when there was no straw. Also the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmaster has set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making bricks both yesterday and today as before? And then the officers of the children of Israel came and they cried to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants, and they say to us, Make brick. And indeed your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people." But he said, you are idle, idle. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work for no straw shall be given you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officer of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce the bricks from your daily quota. And then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron who, looked, uh, who stood there to meet them. And um, they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. And so Moses returned to the Lord and says, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. That's the better division. It makes it complete. Now, here's the threefold movement that is given to us in this section. First, we have the bold request of Moses, verse 1 through 5 of chapter 5, the bold request. Secondly, we have the blatant vindictiveness of Pharaoh, verses 6 through 14 of chapter 5. And then thirdly, the bewildered complaint of the Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 15 to chapter 6, verse 1. Notice verse 1 and 2. Moses and Aaron petitioned Pharaoh to release the people of God. The event took place after Moses and Aaron had met with the children of And the elders of Israel, as we have seen already. Verse 1 tells us that. The word afterwards, again, looks back to the end of chapter 4. The amount of time between the two, we are not told, but it couldn't have been too long. Whether the elders went also as Moses uh, was told by God, it's not recorded. But when we get to verse 4 of chapter 5... The implication is that they were there. Someone was there because uh, the pronoun is used there, uh, their labor. So they probably were there. Now, the authority in which they came in was not their own, but God's. Take note of that. Moses and Aaron went in as the representatives of God. We always have to remember that. We have no power or authority in ourselves. That's delegated to us. Moses was the prophet of God, as you know, and Aaron was a spokesman for Moses, God didn't want it that way, but Moses kept existing and giving lame excuses, and and Aaron would become problems for him later on, as we'll see. Now Moses and Aaron, notice, said to Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the Lord, all capital letters, Yahweh, the all-existing one, the covenant God, God, Elohim, the triune God, El is one, El is two, Elohim, any Hebrew word ending in I am is a plural. The triunity of God, the creator of everything, the God of Israel, meaning God prevails. He was the true deliverer, not Moses. The problem is we always get our eyes on man. This is the one that's going to deliver the people. Now, Moses and Aaron declared the command of God to Pharaoh. It's his authority. It's his message. Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Notice that Yahweh here claimed the people for his own possession, my people. He had not forgotten. We understand the promise to Abraham is in 430 years to the day when they come out. God had a set time, his schedule. Yahweh commanded Pharaoh, let my people go, releases the people to worship him in the wilderness. There was a relationship that was going on here, and and Pharaoh was standing uh, as an oppressor of this relationship. The word go is often used as forceful authority, such as going into exile, Jeremiah 24 5. The corresponding word for feast in the Arabic means to make a pilgrimage. And it's used for the pilgrimage to Mecca by the Muslims. Remember, this is Egypt, the most powerful nation. And sometimes we read the Bible and there's just kind of stories, oh yeah, this and that. We divorce ourselves from the environment, the, the, the cultural backing, and the timing. This is the most powerful nation. This is Pharaoh. And so we read it just like Nothing. But these stories are accurate things that took place so that we might put ourselves in the very same precarious places, trusting God. Nothing has changed. Notice in verse 2, the Pharaoh was not intimidated by the command of the Lord God of Israel that had been delivered by Moses and Aaron. Doesn't even flinch. Pharaoh did not acknowledge the authority of Yahweh, the one God who created everything He didn't consider it greater than his own. He says, Who's this one God? Monotheism? I like polytheism. Why would you limit yourself to one God? (laughs) You have thousands in Egypt. He was irreverent. Notice what he said Who is the Lord? implying he is not one of the gods of Egypt. He was unfamiliar with this God. He, being prideful and sarcastic, said that I should obey his voice to let Israel go, implying he he commands nothing in Egypt. He's going to tell me what to do. I mean, you stop and think about it. Here comes this guy from the desert, and he's going to command Pharaoh. You've got to you've got to understand the the natural progression of this thing. And you know, why does he have to bow? Who does he have to fear? Pharaoh, notice, rebelliously defies the command of the God of Israel there in verse 2, considering himself as a God on the throne of Egypt. That's who he was. He says, I do not know the word Yadah. I don't know the Lord. The word Yadah means by experience. I don't know relationship. I have no familiarity with this guy. Nor will I let Israel go. He had no obligation to Yahweh to obey his command. The pantheon of gods were many in Egypt, as you know. One put it this way. Some like human beings, as Osiris, the judge of the dead. Some like birds, like Horus the hawk, the son of Osiris, and the founder of the Egyptian realm. Uh, Dehuti, the god of mathematics, magic, and art of writing, who had the head of an ibis, Others like Sebek, the crocodile god, and the cobra goddess Wajet or Buto, whose likeness adorned the crown of every Egyptian king, and also the vulture goddess Mehebet or Mut, who was a deity featured in Upper Egypt, corresponding to Buto, patroness of Lower Egypt. Thousands of gods. But it's no different today. You create your own God in your own image. According to your own imagination. Notice in verse 3 to 5. Moses and Aaron persisted in their petition of Pharaoh for the release of the people of God. In verse 3, Moses and Aaron both gave witness of Yahweh's existence. They informed Pharaoh's question. Who is the Lord, they said. Or he said, then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. That's who he is. The Lord is the God of the people who you have enslaved and are oppressing. The meeting took place Mount Horeb, as you know, in chapter 3. This is what he's making reference to. They seem to have lost their confidence to an extent, saying, Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God. Yet, these are the very words given to Moses in chapter 3, verse 18. Please. God's a perfect gentleman. He he is honorable. He doesn't come hostile. You accept me or I'll break your teeth in your mouth. No, he, he demonstrates his love. It's only as the heart becomes harder that he takes more Severe steps. But really, it's not him doing it, it's us asking him to do it. Because I harden my own heart, right? Just like you as a parent, you deal with your child. If they acknowledge and repent, it's over. The specifics of the three day distance in the wilderness to worship their God was necessary. It would be an abomination in Egypt. Now they said, Lest he fall upon us now with pestilence and with the sword. So they gave warning of Yahweh's power. They gave warning of Yahweh's retaliation. But for Pharaoh, it's like water off a duck's back. You ever see a duck going water? Like nothing's there, it just rolls off. Look at verse 4 and 5. The Pharaoh charged Moses and Aaron with distracting the people. He just kind of ignored it. No big deal. In verse 4, Pharaoh said they were only attempting to take the people from their work. The king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? It would only interrupt his building project. A distraction. The king of Egypt again says, get back to your labor, which implies that the elders were present also. We don't get that at the beginning, but somebody was there. The king of Egypt appears to be more powerful, attempting to embarrass Moses and Aaron, making them. Look foolish. This guy is powerful. Look at verse 5. Pharaoh said they would affect the building and economy of Egypt. Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now. And you make them rest from their labor. And so Pharaoh was dismissing the appeal as a superstition of the people boldness in Moses you remember Nathan was sent by God to David to confront him regarding his sin of adultery after a year that was bold on on Nathan's part he knew how powerful David was and certainly he could have had Nathan put to death and yet in obedience he had to go trusting God and sometimes God will deal with our hearts and we have to be bold confident in him not in us in obedience to confront one another to the situation whatever it may be and so the bold request of moses was denied by pharaoh doesn't look like a good start <laughs> then comes the blatant vindictiveness of pharaoh it's it worse verse 6 through 11 pharaoh ruthlessly made the labor of the people much harsher In verse 6, he did it without delay. Notice, on the very same day, Moses and Aaron had asked Pharaoh to let the people go. This guy don't mess around. Pharaoh commanded the Egyptian taskmasters of the people. And the taskmasters means oppressors, exactors, or slave drivers, as we saw in chapter 3, verse 7. Pharaoh also commanded their officers, the Hebrew officials, the overseers, under those Egyptian taskmasters. He gave two commands to the taskmasters and officers in verse 7 and 8. The first command in verse 7 had to do with the process of how they made the bricks. They were to cease giving people straw to make bricks as they had before. And they were to have a people. The people go gather the straw for themselves. So now this would take more time and cut down on the productivity automatically. It's interesting that both straw bricks as well as clay bricks have been found in Python and Tanis and other places, confirming what we have here. Now, the second command at the end of eight there had to do with the product, the amount of bricks they were required. They were to lay on the people the same quota of bricks as before. So now the same quota, same number, but now more work. And they were not allowed to diminish from that quota very specifically. Now he gave the reason for the harsh command at the end of verse 8 and verse 9. The end of verse 8, Pharaoh declared to the people had too much leisure time on their hands. They were lazy, but they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. And then Pharaoh declared to the people that they had paid attention to deceptive lies. Let more work be laid on them that they may labor in it and let them not regard false words. These are lies. This is Moses and Aaron, a bunch of charlatans. Pharaoh wanted to eliminate any reoccurrence by crushing the aspirations and hope of the Hebrews. Right now. Notice the people undeniably could not meet their quota of bricks under the harsh demands of Pharaoh, verses ten through fourteen. In ten and eleven the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and they gave the command to the people as they were told. Thus say Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get yourself straw wherever you can find it. The straw was available, but the time constraint to gather it and to chop it up would cause further delays of the productivity. They knew this. Thus saith Pharaoh, yet none of your work will be reduced. The pressure's on. It was hard enough. Now it's much harder. In verse 12, the people went searching for the building material. The people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt. And this would use up much of that time. They never had to do this. That would automatically diminish the number of bricks. And the people gathered stubble instead of straw. Stubble was just sticks and that. They would have to be cut up and they would not be adequate enough to give cohesiveness to the bricks. Strong would make them much stronger. Now, notice in verse 13, the taskmasters pressured the people to keep up with the production of brick. Because they were under pressure from Pharaoh. The taskmasters were under pressure by him. It says, and the taskmaster forced them to hurry. Because if they don't produce, then they're the first ones that are going to get in trouble from Pharaoh. The taskmasters having to give an account to Pharaoh said, fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was strong. And so they know that it's unjust, but they're under pressure. And it's, the, the evilness of man is always like this. It's the one who, who has the authority, who has the power to move and to do things without regards of people. Nothing has changed, whether it be through a dictator, whether it be through a, through a, through a business, whether it be through a home, or whatever it may be. Notice in verse 14, the taskmasters mistreated the Hebrew officers for not meeting the productive quota. they beat the Hebrew overseers physically, unjustly. they asked them why then they had fallen behind two days? Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? so at this point they are two days behind. And you know how that is. When you're in that kind of momentum, you know, it just frustration builds up, anxiety, I mean, everything. Pharaoh wanted to embitter the Hebrews against Moses and Aaron, you see. Crush them and then embitter them. Pharaoh wanted to divide the people from the leaders God had sent. That's always the way sinful man works in Satan. A house divided cannot stand, right? To have a relationship with God cost them. Throughout history, there have been horrible tyrants that hate Christians, so they do everything in their power to persecute them. Nero stretched Christians at the rack and poured hot lead on their bellies. He would wrap them up in animal skins and allow the animals and wild dogs to devour them. He would uh, dip Christians in wax and hang them on crosses and light up his city at night. Christians were tortured in horrible ways, in diabolical ways by the Catholic Church through the dark ages because they wouldn't recant. Last year in Spain, I saw all the instruments. Some of the instruments are just so diabolical, things they would do to people. And they had these things hanging out like their trophies, not even hiding them. The blatant vindictiveness of Pharaoh was to crush the hope of the people. And
0: that's always the case. It's never changed. Divide and conquer. Always an effective strategy in weakening an opponent, except, that is, when you're on the side of the great healer, Jesus Christ. Pastor Xavier Reese delivering an enlightening simple truth study from Chapter 5 of our series in Exodus today. And there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply, Let My People Go. It's available on CD for just $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now once again, the title to ask for is, Let My People Go, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485.